The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, uh, the season rolls on. If it were a tennis match this weekend, was the Milwaukee Brewers holding serve in the National League Wild Card race? Some opportunity to move ahead in the standings, but it was not to be. The Brewers win two out of three against the Chicago Cubs. The San Diego Padres do the same against the Kansas City Royals. The Philadelphia Phillies do the same against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And here we are, the same place we were on Friday going into the weekend. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, some more enjoyable things from this Brewers series, although not the overall results we need to really start feeling positive and get a, a surge for the finish line going that can get us excited about some of those developments. But all the same, not losing a series to the Cubs is in itself a positive development because it feels like something that they haven't done enough of this year. The Cubs have been allowed, Andrew, to get away with far too much by the Milwaukee Brewers. It's about time someone put a stop to them. Yeah, as if as, as if I needed a reason to to fuel my hate even more. They have been a team that can trip up the Brewers, even though we know full and well the Brewers are the better baseball team at the end of the day. Um, 
This is a series that I uh, I was playing catch up on, Adam. This is one of the rare series that I wasn't locked in for every pitch, uh, but I'm caught up and I liked a lot of what I saw. And uh, I think there are a lot of talking points that come out of this series, um, some positive, some a little controversial, as we'll start off with mm-hmm. very, very quickly, because Friday evening's game, uh, saw the best performance from Freddie Peralta since he's been off the IL. He takes the mound against Justin St- Steele and locks into a pitcher's duel uh, in the early half of the game. Uh, Freddie goes six innings, no hits, no runs, a walk, five strikeouts. In the fifth inning, he gets a run courtesy of Tyrone Taylor, although this was a game where the Brewers were frequently getting runners on base in the early innings but could not cash in. Then in that sixth inning, or going into that seventh inning, a little controversy on 82 pitches. Craig Council removes Freddie Peralta from the game. This is very similar to a conversation you and I had on a playback and maybe on a podcast early in the season when Dave Roberts removed Clayton Kershaw from a no-hit bid early in the season against the Minnesota Twins, I believe. Council removes Freddie Peralta from the game after those 82 pitches. Matt Bush comes on, uh, leadoff error to open the inning by Luis Arias as a runner to the bases. Uh, runner would end up advancing the second with one out in the inning, and Ian Hapson's a two-run homer into right field to make it 2-1 Cubs. Like I said, wasn't watching this live. I was in Myrtle Beach doing, uh, doing bachelor party things, playing golf, uh, getting sunburned, things of that nature. So I, I see the discourse on Twitter. I see the conversation amongst groups of different people. I see some people say Freddie's velocity was waning in the late, latter innings. He was getting some fatigue. I see some people saying he's only thrown out 82 pitches. What's happening? Uh, for someone that watched it in the moment, was more caught up with the discourse, uh, what are your thoughts on the, uh, the Freddie Peralta decision there? Because I just don't have enough information to, to weigh in yet. Well, he wasn't going nine. So first and foremost, yeah, I, I think that's something which should be factored in. This is not exactly the same as I feel like Clayton Kershaw was taken out after seven or eight, where it was a little bit closer. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but but that's what my memory of that is. Having said that, his previous two starts, 92 pitches, 95 pitches. So he's 10 to 13 pitches below his previous two outings. I would have gone another inning. I would have gone another inning. And it's really, it's a reflection one of the spot you're in at the moment with your bullpen and trying to manage that. And the birds are still kind of playing catch up from a run of games where they were having to go to the bullpen earlier than they'd like. And a lot of guys were getting a lot of reps. And it is tough when Freddie goes six without a hit, you pull him from the game, you give up two in the seventh, and you lose the game by one. Uh, I I think he could have gone another one and that should have been something that he was given the opportunity to do. In part because uh, there's good reason to be more cautious with him than other pitchers because obviously it isn't that long since he's back and you want to make sure everything's right. But as I said, he's thrown, he's thrown more pitches in his past two starts than he did in this one. And even beyond that, like this is one of the best starting pitching performances we've seen from a brewery this season. Um, I don't know if we've had anyone get further than six with a no-hit bid alive. Certainly doesn't ring a bell. Uh, I would have 
I would have liked to see him at least out there for the seventh. If for nothing else, then, hey, he's got it. He's really dialed in. He's having a lot of success out there. Let's limit the amount of bullpen arms that are going to have to be used in this game. Again, it ultimately goes to extra innings, requiring an extra arm to be used. And let's see where that gets us. So on the one hand, I, I don't think I'm as angry as a lot of people because... You just have to look at where the pitch count was at. He's not going. He's not going nine, and it wouldn't be prudent to push him into the hundreds and his pitch count. See him at one hundred five, one ten, one fifteen, like he might be inclined to with other guys. The situation because he is still really just kind of working his way back from the injury. But having a lower pitch count that he's had in his previous two starts, not just below it, like essentially a good innings worth below it. I think that is a puzzling one to see him taken out at that point. Yeah, it sounds like one of those where I understand the decision, but you just really, you really wish you would have got the opportunity to, all right, let's start the seventh. Let's see see where you're at there. If it starts looking like, okay, you're fatigued, you're not going to make it out of this inning, you have Matt Bush ready to go. Uh, in the end, he makes the decision. Error leads off the inning, and chaos ensues from there. A three to a hundred and hundred mile an hour fastball in half deposits into into the right over the right field wall. Just a, a really tough moment there. Um, the Brewers would get one back and get back into this game to make it even even more interesting. Rowdy Telez in the ninth inning, as he's known to do, hits a home run to make it two to two. Sending this into my favorite thing with it, which is extra innings. You know how much I love it. Uh, in the tenth inning coming on to pitch is Devin Williams and with Wilson Contreras on base and Hap again, home run to make it 4-2. The Brewers would again uh, start to stage a comeback. Hunter Renfro singles to score Christian Yelich, advances Andrew McCutcheon to second, and Jace Peterson at the plate in his first game since returning um, from the I.L., uh, hits into a game-ending double play. The Brewers lose 4-3. The story of the game is obviously the Peralta decision, but what really did them in from a winning this baseball game perspective was 10 for 15 with runners in scoring position. They had um, seven hits in the game. Uh, Justin Steele walked four Brewers. Uh, Brand, uh, Hughes walked one. Mark Leiter Jr. walked one. Uh, Rodriguez walked one. So there was no shortage of base runners for the Brewers. There was a shortage of hits with runners in scoring position. And uh, if you're not scoring runs, you rely on thin margins from your bullpen. And this was just one of the days where uh, not everything lined up. And as we said, this series more positives than negatives, but there was a sweep to be had. There was, and guess what? They need them right now. Like that's if dropping one here means you need to sweep the pirates. And there's always a chance you're going to drop some game somewhere that's baseball, but this is one they could have had when you've got six innings without a hit for your starter. That's not the game you typically want to lose. You know, it would be nice if Freddie was being pulled from the game and the Brewers up for nothing at that point. But we know that is not how the Brewers operate. Uh, that is not how they operate until they do operate that way really late in the baseball game well, for some reason. late, late, <laughs> see? Not for the starter, but late. That was, that was my transition to game two of the series, uh, Brandon Woodruff versus Drew Smiley on Saturday. And you know what, Adam? They would get another really good starting pitching performance. Uh, Brandon Woodruff was outstanding 
but he would lead the leave this game as you noted without a lead six innings pitch from Brandon Woodruff four hits uh, one walk 10 strikeouts uh, continues his excellent second half of the season uh, Drew Smiley I don't know necessarily if his stuff was all that great uh, he allowed five hits in a walk only two strikeouts but you know what he didn't allow any runs six innings pitch for him and the Brewers would finally start the scoring uh, in the seventh inning uh, with runners on first and second and no outs, Jace Peterson attempts to sacrifice bunt. Christopher Morell sends the ball down the first baseline. Uh, looked like he had more time than he realized and just absolutely airmailed it. Uh, Peterson makes it to second. Uh, Caratini scores. Colton Wong makes it to third. Next up, Christian Yelich absolutely crushes a home run to right field to make it 4 nothing in the seventh. Uh Incredible series from Christian Yelich, which we'll get into. But uh, this was one of the moments where I was able to settle in and watch this baseball game, despite all of the shenanigans in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and just the it feel, seemed like uh, letting the air out of balloon in a good way in in a baseball stadium when you, when Yelich crushed that ball. Um, sign of things to come, or just like appreciate the moment, Adam. What are we thinking with Christian Yelich? Well, this one was definitely a sign of things to come, as we'll as we'll get to. I I think overall we've still got to be inclined to just appreciate the moment. Although he's playing well again, it's been a streaky season. He's gone through these bursts, um, where you're like, okay, he's got something figured out, like he's contributing positively, and then it will cool off, and then he'll find something again. Uh, I do think something that's telling, and we will get to at the end, is when you look at our Master Brewer leaderboard, where Yelly is now placing in that. So in terms of just consistently finding ways to be good, um, to get on base in particular, he is doing that better than his teammates, better than more notable players, better than players who tend to get more of the headlines. He is still one of the most important cogs on this Brewers team, one of the more productive even if he is not producing in the same way or anywhere near the same level that he once used to. But you see a burst like this, and it's like, hey, would it be fun to get a 30-game run where he's like that? Yeah, this would be a very good time for that to happen. Yes, it would. Um, if we'll, t- we'll take some semblance of this, but the, the homer was nice. See, in the eighth, Colton Wong, solo homer, makes it 5 nothing. Then with Christian Yelich on base, Willie Adamas homers to make it 7-0. Uh, the Brewers get good relief pitching from Taylor Rogers, a scoreless inning, a walk, three strikeouts. Matt Bush puts two on via the walk, but also strikes out two. And then Brent Suter closes things down, just allowing a hit. Uh, no runs scored, no strikeouts, no walks. And that was that a – I won't call it a stress-free win because it took seven innings for the scoring to start. Uh but a nice thing to see is the Brewers piling on late and uh, allowing uh, allowing them to glide into the, the evening with a 7 nothing win. And especially after the gut punch of, of Friday's loss, this turns into a must win. And Brandon Woodruff gave them the start that they needed. And so I think, uh, I mean, just back-to-back outstanding starting pitching performances. This is what we talked about way back when would be the bread and butter for this team and on friday and saturday it was and that's obvious yeah and and 
Big Wood. Woody has been pretty exceptional since his return from injury. Like, it's normal for there to be kind of blips on the radar for any starting pitcher. For for Woody, though, minimum five innings pitched every game since his return. Like, there is nothing that's just completely off the scale where he doesn't have it. Uh, no more than three earned runs given up in any game in that spell. And particularly when you think of early in the season, uh, opening day, wasn't it, against the Cubs where he gave up seven earned runs. Like, some of the early season disasters pre-injury, they can long be forgotten because he has been the picture of consistency for the Brewers since his return. Um, and having said that, though, one thing that he wasn't getting a whole lot of was scoreless games. And for him to not give up any runs in that time was was very nice. And um, most strikeouts since his comeback game. I think he had 10 against, yeah, 10 against the Rays back in the end of June when he came back. And that's the first time he's reached double digits since. So shout out to Brandon Woodruff for being really, I think, the most consistent Brewers pitcher the past couple of months. Um, Corbin has had some erratic games thrown in the mix. That cannot be said for Brandon Woodruff. And considering where his ERA was early in the season, uh, what he returned to, a 4.74 ERA, He's now down to 3.31, and I expect that to, to just keep on dropping over the remainder of the season. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Absolutely, this series would... Wrap up on Sunday, the least successful starting pitching performance, we'll say, for the Brewers this weekend after a nice start against the the Los Angeles Dodgers. Eric Lauer struggled a little bit, and he struggled with walks, in particular two-out walks early in this game. Adrian Sampson faced off against him in this game. Uh, this game, the Cubs would get the scoring started off in the first inning. Nico Horner singled to score Seiya Suzuki, makes it one nothing. In the second, Suzuki would single to score Billy McKinstry. It's 2-0 Cubs after the second inning. Uh, Brewers get one back in the third via a Hunter Renfro double off of the right field wall that scores Willie Adamas. Uh, going into Saturday's game, uh, we had some fun news and some not-so-fun news. The fun news, uh, well, the, the not-so-fun news was ever so expected. But the fun news was uh, 
Garrett Mitchell's been called up from Nashville. We talked about the outfield prospects all season, it seems like, and he's probably the fourth most mentioned name out of the guys, or fifth most mentioned when you talk about guys going all the way down to Jackson Shoria. Uh, we talk about Weimer. We've talked about Freelich. We've talked about uh, Esther Ruiz. Marie Ruiz. We haven't really talked as much about Garrett Mitchell, and Garrett Mitchell's the first guy that gets the call. Uh, got a little time in the outfield on Saturday as a defensive replacement. And then in the fourth inning of this game, in a big spot, hits a ground ball single to center field, makes it three to two. Brewers in the fourth. Yelich follows that up with a opposite field homer to left center, his second of the weekend in as many days to make it five two. Obviously, we'll talk about the rest of the game, but what are your thoughts on uh, Garrett Mitchell getting some time in the show as we? enter the home stretch not what we were expecting uh jonathan davis uh, is on the 10-day il to make to make room for um mitchell but what were your thoughts on that took me by surprise for sure first of all very handsome guy chisel jaw he passes that money ball test and who he actually reminds me of and i kept thinking about it is he reminds me of mcreynolds from everybody wants them um tyler hawkland's character right i think that's the actor's name yes yes um I was I was quite impressed. I mean, his first at bat was very close to a home run, something which has never been done by a Brewer in their first at bat. He just needed a tiny bit more on it, and it would have got out of there. So, really nice contact on his first at bat, and then he comes up with a a big hit for uh, to bat in two runs. So, very very solid start. Um, it was a nice wrinkle added to the game. There is something very just wholesome and nice about watching a game in that scenario where it's a guy's like first, or in this case, he he got out there, he didn't get in that bat, but he was out there the day before. But on Sunday, all his family there watching and the camera being able to cut to him and him actually producing some stuff for them to get excited uh, is very, very cool. I think that's an element of baseball that I really can get on board with the regularity with which guys can go up and down and the way that tends to factor into the experience. But I thought he was very solid. And honestly, given given the struggles we've seen at center field for quite some time, let's give him every opportunity. Like if you've decided he's the guy who's most ready right now or they want to take a look at, there's certainly scope that we see some more very soon. Um, I'd be very surprised if we don't see Ruiz in center field for the Brewers before the end of this season. Um, but Garrett Mitchell looks pretty solid, and I'm not opposed to getting a good look at this because I think it is something with that whole platoon of outfielders coming up from below in the system and just with the shape of the Brewers roster and with how we know they deal with salary and all this stuff. It's it's definitely time. It's time to start thinking about, okay, well, maybe we can spark something. Like, if if the most is going to be made out of these pitchers while they're on the roster, it may well take that there's a new outfield that just explodes onto the scene and manages to click into place. And considering, particularly at center, that the Brewers are not getting the kind of production you'd like to see, I say, let's let's take the Flyers. Let's, let's have a really good look at Mitchell and then doesn't work at him let's let's keep on going with that because it seems like a good opportunity if someone finds something they could help you get to the playoffs they could get some playoff reps and it's a big kind of jump in their development and if not well then what else is the remainder of this season for like 
let's let's give some guys who could help you now a chance to also kind of kickstart their development. Yeah, really cool moment overall. I like seeing someone added to the mix to try and provide that spark. Like you said, um, come September, a uh, couple more roster spots. Will we see Ruiz? I really think we will. Uh, Mitchell was first-round pick in 2020 out of UCLA. Um, across three levels this year, um, I think one of them was uh, for rehab, though, because he had experienced some injury issues. Uh, so in Nashville, in 20 games, he was hitting 343 with a 435 OBP, uh, 466 slug in Biloxi in 44 games, 277 average, 353 OBP, uh, 428 slug. So really kind of at the minor league level anyway, that on base guy, that kind of profile that we were looking for, um, not overwhelming with power to the uh, to this point this year, five homers in the 64 games. But a guy that looks like he gets on base, can play uh, good center field. So really intrigued to see what he does while he's up here. And it was a great moment on Sunday just to see how much that moment of making your major league debut, getting that first at bat means to players and their families because they are not just themselves. They are everyone that has helped them get to this point. And uh, baseball is a journey. So that was cool. Yeah, Um, and the, the couple RBI and then actually for him, I think it was Yelly's homer then got him home as well. So yep. to to see him get a run and to see him bat at a couple of other guys, like that is not generally how oh, all the family are here for the first game tends to go. You don't get those kind of nice big moments to celebrate either. So very, very cool. Uh, another game where the Brewers' bats were hot, but also the game had stress <laughs> throughout. So, as we mentioned, Mitchell's single makes it 3-2. The Yelly homer makes it 5-2. In the fifth, Nico Horner uh, makes it 5-4 Brewers with a home run that just got over the wall in left field. That one uh, that one needed a little help from either God or a jet stream. I don't know who got it over the wall, but it just barely got over the wall. And in the fifth, again, also, by the way, Adam, I've, I have I've figured something out. I've figured out how the Milwaukee Brewers can hit left-handed pitching. That left-handed pitcher needs to be Sean Newcomb okay. because, because the Brewers lefties absolutely destroyed him. Uh, former Atlanta Brave, a guy that has never really been able to figure it out as a major leaguer because he has no idea where the ball is going. Uh, the Mitchell single was off of uh, Newcomb. The Yelly Homer was off of Newcomb. Newcomb. And then in the fifth, Colton Wong off of Sean Newcomb, a two-run homer, makes it 7-4. In the uh, sixth, Hunter Renfro singles t- to score Yelly to make it 8-4. In the sixth, a casting here, uh, I don't want to call it a bloop, kind of a fly ball that somehow just landed in between the shortstop and the left fielder. You would think someone could get that left fielder playing deep because he knows what Col- or Keston Hira can do. It's 9-4 at that point after casting single. Uh, the Cubs would, again, make this scary in the seventh. Jan Gomes, sack fly, uh, makes it 9-5. to five. And then in the uh, ninth inning, Fran Mill Reyes hits a two-run homer to make it 9-7. Things are getting scary from that point. Devin Williams comes on, uh, a runner reaches, and then a strikeout, double play, ends the game. Brewers win 9-7. Tough outing from Eric Lauer, as we mentioned. Five innings pitch, six hits, four runs, all of them earned, four walks, four strikeouts. Did allow Homer. 
Uh, Peter Strzelecki allows a run in one and two thirds innings of relief. Then you get Strzelecki. Strzelecki very good again, though. Like uh, I think it's worth saying, and he really seems to be moving up a spot in the in the bullpen with every passing outing. Like he is very controlled. Couple of walks there, which is not even kind of the normal for him at this point. Like he is someone that I know. As a fan watching the game, my confidence in him is growing. So I can only imagine that that's the same uh, for the management. The box, if we can we just talk about box for a minute, because I don't think he'd given up an earned run for quite a while. I, I, box is 266 ERA. It just mystifies me. I just feel like it should be so much higher. Maybe that is because he, he has these long spells of being really good. And then when it goes wrong, it really goes wrong. But in this case, the two-run homer, that's obviously off him and not a great pitch. It's the kind of thing we've seen before from him where it's just right down the middle. It's there begging to be hit. But also, uh, I can't remember who it was who got on base before that. That was down to a miscommunication between Rowdy and Box, where ball kind of ends up in no man's land left of, left of uh, first base. And Box goes all the way over. I don't know, was he not assertive enough or what? Rowdy ends up going to get it, and then his foot's off the bag. I did not understand that at all. I don't know who that's on. It's realistic on both of them. But that's one where I think the pitcher has to take the initiative and allow the first baseman to keep his foot on the bag. So, honestly, I was not impressed with Box's contribution to that either because it's not something we tend to see very often. Usually if a pitcher goes over there, the pitcher will get it to give you a chance to get the out. It doesn't make any sense that you go over there and then Rowdy has to go get it and try to get back to first base. And then a weak pitch after that gives up a home run. So they, in the truest sense of the word, were two earned runs against Brad Boxberger for me. Yeah, his uh, fifth this year is a full run and some change higher than his ERA. Okay. So yeah, there's he's he's gotten some good fortune. Uh, let's say his his whips, I think one point two six or thereabouts. So he's adding some traffic uh, to the base pass a lot of the time when he when he enters the game. But like you said, he it's just it seems like he does have those stretches as well as well where it's just like zero after zero after zero, and then he'll have that one blow up game, um, which which leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And and this was one of those did not record an out in in this game and then was removed. Um, Hobie Milner before that did provide one and a third scoreless innings, allowing just a hit. Hobie's had some some tough outings in the recent history. It's nice to see him bounce back. We all know what he's capable of when he is locked in. And then of course Devin comes in to nail down that save. Uh, a nine seven Brewers win. Story of the day in this one is is Garrett Mitchell. Obviously, well there other things happen in the game offensively, but that one warmed our hearts. So nice to see, and nice to see the Brewers just for two consecutive games, pile on the runs. And in this one, they they definitely needed it all the way down to the last out as the tying run did come to the plate in the ninth inning for the Cubs. Um, other story from the weekend, uh, some news, Adam. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal is out for the regular season. Um, I described him as a theoretical pitcher last episode. And uh, lo and behold, not the news we were looking for, but the news we were expecting. Yeah. Did, um, did, you, did you ever plan on seeing Trevor Rosenthal throw a pitch for the Brewers, Adam? Well, I sure did when they traded for him, Andrew, and they gave up a, what, a top 20 prospect. 
uh, for a guy who they loved so much at his workout. They were at a week before that they didn't sign him and they instead waited until they had to give something up to sign him. So just the process all around, truly top notch on that one. Uh, like, where do you even go with this? Uh, I don't know if you if you saw, I put in our Discord this morning, Bango threw out the first pitch, Bango the book, um, at the Timber Rattlers game yesterday. Pretty good, gotta say. I, I quote tweeted it with, you know, look, they didn't even need to trade for Rosenthal. Quality bullpen arms like this are still on the market. Bango himself liked that tweet. I think Bango is interested in playing for the Brewers, is is what I can what I can break there. Uh I I just the trades have not been good, Hunter. The trades have not been good, they've not been kind. Um at this point, maybe bringing Este Ruiz up and seeing him play and hoping he really does some good stuff is a good idea from David Stearns for, you know saving face i think you want to get someone up in that trade who can contribute and maybe do stuff now uh so so people can get some positive messages because right now the most uh the person who's doing the most to save face for david Sturridge is in san diego there there there's how we transition adam we'll, because we'll uh before we get to uh master brewer leaderboard that that is something that needs addressing because Josh Hader once again has just lost it, and like like with Trevor Rosenthal and his his injuries from a human being perspective, I feel so bad for these people. Um, wanted to see Rosenthal back out there. He's had an arduous journey to get back to to the big leagues, and it just looks like it's not going to happen. And with Josh Hader, this is an instance where it's the performance benefits the brewers so we will take it from that standpoint but it is very hard to watch uh another outing this time against the kansas city royals a third of an inning pitch five hits six runs all of them are two walks one strikeout and uh just can't make it out of the inning i think they brought in will myers maybe after him a position player um he's just lost it and i think it's I think it might be a situation where he won't find it until potentially next year. He looks oh, like a guy sure. that's just compl- completely sure. lost. Completely. ERA up to 23.14 uh, now, which is high, I will say, Andrew. Have not seen too many that high, particularly having played meaningful numbers of games. I'm, my question yeah, six, on this six, is... 6.52 for the season, 25.1 for the... Royals, is that right? Or the Padres? 23.14 Padres? Yeah. He didn't allow a run till June. And his ERA is this. What actually happens here, though? Like, that's in trying to map out what goes, like, at this point, they should not be playing him again this season. I think for their sakes and for his sakes. Like because particularly for their sakes, though, they've committed a lot of money. They've made some big moves. They have other players on their team who seem determined to sabotage them. Um, and they're in a wildcard race that really they should not be in with the talent they have at their disposal. So it would be a good idea to stop playing the guy who I know may well be a sleeper agent for the Brewers at this point. That that would be great if that's what it was. 
That would be awesome if he if he he's doing that and then he gets designated for assignment in the offseason. Yeah, the Brewers just he, scoop him back up. Yeah, this. and he has this next year. He has a one two zero ERA and <laughs> sixty innings, and they win a World Series. That would be great. But yeah, it's just but uh, like you joke there about being designated for assignment. Like obviously his profile, his reputation is something that they're gonna try to salvage it, but. In baseball, how far does does like this go? This extreme? How Man, how long is, will they this, be willing this, to to weigh this one up? This is getting pretty close to it. Like I, I've never seen anything like this. I'm sure there's an example that if I really looked hard, I could pull. I mean, there are examples of guys just completely losing it. I mean, it's. It really feels like a case of the yips when it comes to his, to his command. It reminds me of like Rick Ankiel as a rookie, except not quite that bad. Um, where Ankiel just was like missing the catcher and like couldn't had to be, like basically retire and then become an outfielder to become a pro baseball player. This is like I haven't seen anything like it. He just can't find the strike zone, and when he does, he's getting hit and he's getting hit hard. I've heard it's people say it's his release point and that's true and i think also there's just something something gone wrong that just can't be corrected and it's it's breaking my baseball logic brain because you want to say two plus two equals four right now two plus two equals potato and it's just equals 23.14 it equals yeah equals 23.14 across four and two-thirds innings he, I think he really needs some time off. Go into an offseason, rest up, get yourself right, and come into a spring training where there are no stakes to start out with, and you figure it out from there. But the Padres traded for him to be a key cog in a postseason bullpen. This trade is just going to be talked about for years to come and not for good reasons. Will, will Josh Hader be a Padre next season? I think he will, but for how long, I don't know. Because obviously with one year left on his deal, if you get to May and he can't pitch for you, then at that point it becomes you have to do something, I think. I mean. Next May is a long time away for this to continue anything like. Even a fraction of this, I think you'd be like, honestly, tough, tough, really bizarre. I mean, right now, it's it's strange how it's worked out. Though. This is the team that it represents the best chance of the Brewers getting in the postseason, and Josh Hader is just out there tanking them anytime he he can get on the mound. But yeah, not not easy it's, to watch. It, it's the thing it's, that we talked about early in the season too that I'm adjusting to, which is in baseball more than any other sport. It's like, and for a pitcher, if you lose it, you're taking the whole team down. You're taking the 30, 40,000 people in the stadium down with you over and over and over again. You're just going to keep doing it. It's not like an error in any other sport. It's like you make an error in a football game, in basketball, in soccer, whatever it is. You might cost your team a goal, some points, a touchdown, but you're not, it's not like, oh, well, we were up. <laughs> we were up three runs a minute ago. We're down four now. Thanks, guy. Like it, it's very, very extreme. 
Yeah, and he was a guy that we were rooting for half the season. So it's jarring from a fan experience too, because we're like, we like the guy. We wish we hate to see this happening to him, but they're direct competition in a wild card spot now. It like that's what's so crazy about this trade is is we didn't expect it to be these two exactly head to head when the trade happened. It was like, no, oh, the Padres should have been tearing off into the distance with their devil. And the Brewers had a three game lead in the central when all this <laughs> went down. And now they have just fallen back into the same space. And we just have this point of comparison every episode, whether we like it or not. And I think it's going to continue. Um, moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard uh, today. Our five, five recipients of a beer for a two out of three series win against the Chicago Cubs. Freddie Peralta, obviously six innings pitch, had no hits, one to walk, five strikeouts. Great performance from fastball. Freddie looks like he is back to his old self. Brandon Woodruff, six innings pitch, four hits, no walks, 10 strikeouts. Christian Yelich, eight for 14, a walk, two home runs, five runs scored, five RBI. Colton Wong, five for 10, a double, two homers, three runs, three RBI. Great performance from Colton. Rowdy Telez, two for nine. You hear two for nine. Let me start you right there. But he had five walks. Rowdy living on the base paths, a homer, one run scored, one RBI. Leaderboard through 126 games. Rowdy Telez with 20. Christian Yelich with 16. Corbin Burns with 14. Willie Thomas with 13. Andrew McCutcheon, 11. Brandon Woodruff, Hunter Renfro, Jace Peterson, have nine. Eric Lauer, Devin Williams, Luis Arias with eight. Tyrone Taylor, Colton Wong, Josh Hader with seven. Kesson Yura has six. Freddie Peralta, Aaron Ashby, Hobie Miller with five. Brad Boxberger, Trevor God, Jonathan Davis, Victor Caratini, Jason Alexander with three. Peter Strezlecki, Matt Bush, Omar Narvaez, Adrian Hauser with two. And Taylor Rogers, Yandel Gustave, Brent Suter, Luke Barker have one. That is your update through 126 Major League Baseball games. Do we, shall think, we, shall we, do we think that anyone else is getting to 20? Um, Yelly's making a push. I think Yelly's the most likely candidate. Corbin's not gonna. Rowdy is just pushing it beyond. This is something we said we'll revisit. We're gonna have to weigh up for starting pitchers. Is there a better way next season? We calculate it's gonna be tough, but also at the same time, I largely feel like the leaderboard is reflective of something in the season. I think it's mostly reflective of consistency for what. Which is what I kind of want it to be. It's like, because that is, with a season this long, it's like, are you doing it series to series, game to game? What can you give? Can you give something positive every series? Every series you come out of clear positive. It's Um, And I think it's, it's tough on relievers, but I think it's also just reflective of the nature of relievers in baseball. Like, it's really hard for a relief pitcher to get into the Hall of Fame. Not that this is, you know, on level of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, but, you know, it's in the conversation. So I think we need to start a Hall of Fame that the winner every year goes into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then in 60 years. Yeah. We'll, we'll have full on, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a little hut people can go and visit. Um, I hope we're, I hope we're doing this in 60 years. Uh any other news and notes that I may have missed from the weekend as I was off uh, just playing dynamite short game? I don't, I don't think so. I Did you see uh, 
his Colton's homer on Sunday. Do you see the guy in the Colton jersey catch that in his in his hat I, from the upper deck? I did. Cool. That was a beautiful moment. I saw uh the kid that was like reading out the names called Victor Caratini, Victor Caratuni. <laughs> uh, which if Victor Caratini ever it becomes like a, a cartoon hero uh, in a Brent Suter book, maybe like, I don't know oh, how, yeah, how that would go. Then I think that should be the name of the character personally. Brent Suter also, I noticed on, was it Yelly's first or second home run, um, which basically landed in the Brewers bullpen. But as much as Suter always gets excited, it feels like he was, he gets extra excited for a Christian Yelich home run, which Probably makes a lot of sense given how long those two guys have been together and the version of Yelich he played with um, and the version of Yelich he sees now and probably having a better insight into that to most. But I thought that was very cool. Always one of the great things about a, a Brewers homer that goes anywhere near the bullpen is seeing Suter beckon it in there. Um, so that was cool. No, I don't, I don't think there's anything else. I think it's scheduled look ahead time. And look ahead, we shall. Um, today, Monday, August 29th, 710 Central Start, Corbin Burns uh, against to be announced, according to both ESPN and the MLB app. So I guess the Pirates have not named a starting pitcher. Uh, Corbin coming off a tough start in his last start against the Dodgers. We'll look for him to bounce back against the Pirates. Tuesday, August 30th, 710 Central Start, Adrian Hauser versus Mitch Keller. And then in the series finale, daytime start, 110 Central, Freddie Peralta versus Bryce Wilson. And after that, the Brewers will head to Arizona for four against the Cardinals, then three against the Rockies. And, uh, yeah, it's it's sweeping time, Adam. The Pirates are bad. They have given the Brewers some trouble lately. Time to sweep them. It really is. It's like we're talking like this for a while, but. This is this is a must. Like you just cannot let any of these go because the reality is, we look over the weekend and we're like, oh look, another you know, you opened up with saying the Brewers hold serve. I don't know if it's holding serve when you were playing the Cubs. That's that's where I go. Uh... I, mean, I mean, the the Padres are were playing Kansas City as well. So, but the Padres, the Padres are not good right now. It hangs in part to Josh Hader. So you cannot look to hold serve on the Padres. They are there for the taking right now. That is not guaranteed to be the case five, ten games from now. Because I, I do think I mean, they'll probably both, come to a point they've got to do something. Both these teams aren't playing like teams that deserve are, to be in should, the playoffs. <laughs> that should be playoff teams at the moment. That's the fact of the matter. Like They both go into series against teams that they each of them should be sweeping and haven't been able to do that. And you ask yourself at some point if this Padre now, uh, I don't think that Hater they were probably losing that game anyway because Hater came into a game where they were already losing um, with three outs to go. But you you expect this Padres team with their lineup to eventually figure it out. So at a certain point, taking two out of three against a bad team is not enough. Holding serve isn't enough. You got to play some winners. Uh, on the line and that's what it comes down to for me because eventually uh, us saying well you know things are exactly like they were going into the series so we didn't lose any ground isn't going to be good enough and that that time is coming up really this week because if we're if we are holding serve it needs to be 
to be because we matched a sweep or something if we're playing a team of this quality because uh, the ske- we can't ask the schedule to really do it for us, so to speak, the Royal us. I'm not on the team. Um, I'm not good enough, so uh, I retired long ago. Uh, the Padres play the Giants this week, who are competent but not great, a team that the Padres should should at least win the series against. Let's say they win two out of three. Sweep the Pirates, get yourself a game, or get yourself a half game back. No more holding serve. Play some winners. They do have the Dodgers this weekend. That's comforting. <laughs> well, it's only comforting if the Brewers beat the bad teams. Like, that's that's the reality of it. And not just, oh, we've got two or three. No, go and sweep someone and give yourself a chance to make ground. And the division is, like, way away from the, the Cardinals are six games in front you play the Cardinals four more times, beat these bad teams and just see what happens, you know, because I think that's, it's, it's actually one of the only things that could possibly be somewhat in your control. If you could just beat bad teams and close the gap, you don't get to play the Padres again. You don't get to play the Phillies again. The Cardinals are way out in front and they have like multiple absolute studs. They have someone who may well, uh, and triple crown this year, complete a triple crown, which I don't know how often that happens, Andrew. Uh, I was only aware of how close he currently is on that front. I was like, oh, well, that seems like something that would not be all that common. Um, but that, like, just because the division is away from you, just because it, it seems to be gone, does not could have mean been closer. That, well, it could still be you, closer. No, you, this, this is more of a comment about the weekend series. The useless yeah. ass Atlanta Braves. Well, that's blowing it. a game. Any, anyway. uh, did you study it or have anything else you need to get off your chest on that? They just continue no, to disappoint I mean, you. No, you win, you win all the time until it actually benefits me. And then, you know, oh, Kenley Jansen comes in, blows a game. Sunday night baseball, didn't watch, but obviously didn't do anything to help the Brewers. Useless. Useless. You're down, you're. Pitcher's throwing a no-hitter, gives up a solo shot, then Dansby Swanson breaks out of a slump, hits three-run homer, make it 3-1, can't hold him in the lead. Useless. Useless. My stomach's well, rumbling. We're glad to get that off your chest. We'll let you go get some breakfast. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. If you haven't already, and it will have dropped in your feed, you'll have seen us tweet about it everywhere, uh, our new Green Bay Packers podcast has launched talk of the tundra Packers season is really now preseason's over it's just around the corner you should go subscribe and make sure you're tuned in talk of the tundra wherever you get your podcasts um and on twitter at packers gspn also if you want to hear more from andrew and myself our movie podcast has now come across onto the eurostep podcast network too and we'll also be talking about some other stuff from time to time, along with the rest of the GSPN crew. So make time for this wherever you get your podcasts on Twitter at make time for this. Uh, this week, Andrew, what have we got coming? We've got the rehearsal. We're doing an episode of Nathan Fielder's show, The Rehearsal, which I'm very excited about. Um, you will have that one in your feeds on Wednesday. And then on Friday, you'll have a captured and satellite movie episode on that feed on Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy. So 
good stuff coming there. Make sure you're subscribed there too. And of course, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Twitter at Brewers GSPN. If you need information on anything else for the Eurostep Podcast Network, if you want to get in the Discord, if you want to go support us all by buying some merch, gspn.info, you'll get the links to absolutely everything. If you like what you're here, please leave us five-star ratings and reviews. Thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>